really pleased to have Rich Mirinoff here with us today, the CPO Smoke Jumper. As always, I would like you to like, subscribe, hit that bell icon, all those mandatory things on a YouTube channel. And hopefully we're gonna have a great conversation here today. Rich, maybe you could introduce yourself. Sure, I'm a, a nearly 40 year veteran of enterprise software product management. So for anybody who thought this was a new thing, not so much. Uh, six startups along the way, a couple of companies you would have heard of. Um, and for the last, oh, I don't know, 20 years, I've been independent. So that's me coaching heads of product, occasionally dropping into companies as the interim head of product. That's the smoke jumper job you referred to. Uh, I, I do focus a lot these days on organizational issues. How do we put product management teams together? Uh, helping my clients hire in the right head of product or VP or CPO. And I think a lot about cross-functional collaboration and cooperation, particularly at enterprise software companies where, for instance, the, uh, the sales team is really paid every day to subvert and break the roadmap <laughs> on behalf of individual customers. So true, so true. So sometimes called the rhino in that sense, the really high next opportunity. That's right. And, and uh, the other phrase we use a lot is roadmap amnesia. Right. And roadmap amnesia is uh, what happens between when you present the roadmap as it's been agreed and your lead salespeople get off the phone with any customer who wants anything. Uh, all memory is flushed and they come into the next meeting thinking that engineering is not actually working on anything and and that whatever they want to do is pretty easy. So can't we just slip it into next week's sprint? Oh, I love it. I've never heard that phrase before. I'm amazed I haven't, but I, it's, I, it's a great one. I am going to be stealing that one, I'm sure. There you go. So I guess let's start with some really fundamentals of roadmaps, because obviously uh -huh. that's our kind of central subject. Sure. Well, what's the purpose and who are the audience of a roadmap in your world? Ah, uh, that's, that's a good question, a hard question. And I actually think there's not a single specific audience for roadmaps. There's lots of audiences. And because of that, and they, those audiences actually want completely different things out of these discussions. So I think the idea that there's one roadmap that everybody's going to like, I guess that's the one roadmap to rule them all. Um, just doesn't work for me, doesn't make any sense. So we as product folks have to be thinking about the different half dozen audiences and what each of them is trying to accomplish or get out of our conversation. And we may in fact have five or six different representations of the same plan that make sense for our different audiences. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that tallies up exactly what I said in, in when my co-host interviewed me, I said one version with multiple views. I think I'm working on five views nominally these days, but it sounds like you might have a few more. Well, and, and, and when we say views, that's okay. But uh, honestly, for all of the road mapping tools out there, which give permissions to folks outside product and engineering to look at roadmaps, I almost never find anyone in the company who ever uses those links to ever look at my representation of the roadmap. So when we talk about views, I think we're really talking about delivering different versions or different slices or different subsets uh, in some setting. Yeah. The idea that we're going to have a, a roadmap living in some piece of software and the rest of the company is going to be self-service, I've just never seen that work. So I've true. never seen that be true. Yeah, uh, I, 
yeah, I think I have this aspiration that maybe one day will happen, but I think the reality check is it probably well, will. I, I'm sure someday it'll happen. I haven't been in the game that long, so maybe the 40 years I've spent trying to do this isn't enough, and somebody will get there soon. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, maybe you could just kind of break down a f sure. some of those different audiences and kind of what they're looking right. for. Yeah. And, and uh, let's back up for a minute to what I think a roadmap is for. Sure. Okay. So, so for me, it's a representation of the current agreed upon plan. Right? So the minute we as an organization change our plan, well, the roadmap's out of date. And, and I don't think the roadmap itself is actually an objective, right? No, nobody congratulates me for having a roadmap, right? Um, so, so I think we, we have to get a little less emotional about it. And then, for instance, you know, there's some version of this that we work directly with our engineers and, or de uh, developers and designers on, which has lots of detail and, you know, dependencies and keywords and all this stuff, right? And, and goes very deep and has everything we're working on. Uh, if I think about a version of the roadmap for marketing, and, and here, my context is mostly, again, enterprise software companies. Yeah. So marketing is going to be out there trying to get folks into our webinars and excited about what we're doing. What they really want is the headline, the name of the release or the product, and a couple of benefits. Do they care what it does? No, they don't. Right. And vague enough delivery times that we can organize uh, outreach or lead gen or training or whatever it is for the things we're doing. Um, but they're mostly empty containers. Right. So marketing wants to know what to say about the next feature or release or capability, but they're never going to use it. <laughs> so it's 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 headlines. Right. Yeah. Uh, the sales organization, you know, usually there's there's two sorts here. So there's the half of the sales organization that actually sees on the roadmap the things that they think their customers need. And so all their questions about are about delivery dates, right? How soon can I collect money for this revenue, right? Yeah. And whatever answer we give them, why can't it be a month earlier, right? If not three. Um, if not three, if not today, right? So, so again, what the product does is much less important than when I can charge money for it. Um, the other thing I see, especially in enterprise space, is I know that every single sales rep in my company has a list of features which are not on the roadmap, which some big customer or other has at some point threatened to not sign a deal for if we don't do. So the immediate reaction from the other half of the sales team is, what about items one through 690 that I personally need to hit my quota this quarter because I'm the most imp important person at the company and my time is worth more than yours. Um, where did those things go? Because I filled out all the forms to demand new features, yet they didn't show up on the roadmap. Clearly your roadmap is broken. Uh, and when I say, no, it's not, the, the, usually the next question is, so what's your boss's phone number or email again? Because I need to go over your head and escalate to get this done. So true. So true, so true right? <laughs> uh, the, fin the finance team really just wants to know what it's going to cost to build things and when it's going to arrive. And they have this odd uh, idea that we can be exact to say six or 12 decimal places. <laughs> Right. Yep. Uh, who else am I missing? Uh, support or customer success or any of the implementation teams. Uh, they actually want to know how the stuff is going to work. Uh, 
So rather than just the roadmap, what they want is six hours of hands-on training so that they know what to do when this stuff arrives. Right? And the reason to think about this on a departmental basis is no two of those groups actually want the same set of information from me. So I might be able to jam it into one diagram, but I probably need versions of this that, that match my audiences. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, and I forgot one, of course, as a product person. We have customers, right? I was going to ask you about that one if it didn't come up because it felt like we weren't right. going to get there. We weren't going to get there. Uh, and, and and honestly, I see most customers as being much more thoughtful and forgiving than my sales team is. Yeah. Uh, and mostly, I think what my customers want from the roadmap presentation is they want to know that they're not going to be embarrassed by having bought a product which is dead on arrival or they have to swap out and lose all their political capital to go through another um, you know, review cycle for replacement products. They just want to know that we're going to do good work and we have something for them. Yeah, yeah. and uh, hopefully not too much pain on that implementation as well. And for that first, you know, first few months of using it, it's not a hassle to get going. Right. And and as product folks, we should be laser focused on that, which is if I can figure out how to make our product 25% faster to deploy or integrate or use, we better do that because our competitors are going to do that as well. And customers don't pay us money to sit in the implementation queue for six months. Yeah. I mean, I remember training a company a few years ago where they talked about a five-week deployment process and i said oh god that's slow in my head i'm thinking one click de uh, deployment and they said no you don't understand our nearest competitors takes a year it's like oh right. my god like you've got a strategic differentiator then that's right and and if you know if you're doing a relatively lightweight consumer software if you're running if you're building a dating app right yeah then people need to be able to run that thing in three clicks or less but you know if you're putting up uh you know, uh, um, some big data analytics thing that has a dashboard in the back, then it's probably going to take more than 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was a, I think it was an enterprise grid con uh, content management platform, for example. Right. Right. So five weeks sounds great. In fact, my guess is that three of those weeks were waiting for the customer's IT group to get you a password so you could make an update through their firewall. Yeah, probably. <laughs> So, I mean, so we know who it's for. We know what it's for. Yep. Who owns it and who maintains it? I'm a strong believer that the product management team owns it and maintains it. Uh, they don't, we don't really have complete authority over it. Yep. Right? So everyone in the company has some point of view and maybe, you know, higher higher pay grade than mine. So, you know, we're constantly fending off uh, opportunities to change the roadmap and new ideas and interrupts and such. But um, I don't really want my engineering team to own it because there's a lot of subtlety in how we describe it to the world and they'll get in trouble. Uh, but the closer to the folks who are building it as possible. Yeah. Totally so agree. I give it to product management. Um, in deeply dysfunctional organizations, almost anybody might own it. Yeah. with deeply dysfunctional results. <laughs> and, you know, and well, they'll get to a destination, whether it's the right destination. That's right. That's right. Um, uh, w which, which is useful, I think, because 
uh, a lot of folks aren't clear on how product managers add value to the world. Uh, and, and in my, again, strongly held view, we don't make engineering work harder or faster. Okay, that's just wrong. First of all, we can't do it. Second of all, they won't let us, right? So the idea that product management's job is to stand over the developers with whips in our hands is wrong in every direction. What we are responsible for is getting more value out of the work they do. So when we look at the roadmap, when we look at the choices we're making, our priorities, our value, the way product management adds value, is we're smart enough to do good discovery and, and validation and throw away the half of the stuff that was proposed that won't accomplish anything or add any value to anyone. And if we can throw away the half that's useless, we actually get twice as much out of engineering that's valuable without having them work weekends and nights. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I one of the things I often talk about is how about a day's worth of, any, of our of product management effort equates to probably in the order of magnitude of 30 days worth of engineering or R&D efforts, at least that sort of leverage. And so if we're not kind of directing them at the right problems, they're wasting a lot of time on the wrong things. Indeed. My, my own numbers suggest that if you have a development team without a product manager, they're probably wasting about a third to a half of their time. Not because they're not doing good work, but because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess mine is if they're going, they, they're going to they're get some of that right, but they're going to spend a lot of time on things that are maybe That's not right. in the sure. right direction. Absolutely right. Cool. Sure. So, I mean, obviously, there's going to be a load of other artifacts around the roadmap, things like mm -hmm. vision, strategy, objectives, dare I say, OKRs. You How dare. How do these all things interrelate into a roadmap? So I actually think of it the other way. I think the the roadmap comes later. Um, if if we're doing a big piece of work and we don't have some of those other assets, well, who is it for precisely? And what are the outcomes we're trying to generate? Uh, you know, is this a new piece of tech to reduce churn in our current customer base or increase our user satisfaction by getting rid of some ugly stuff or opening up a new market or reducing tech debt? Right. If we're not clear on why we're doing something, yeah. uh, that that's up front. You know, that's the definition of waste. Uh, so, if we think of the roadmap as probably having some swim lanes or some kind of thematic structure, then we're actually going to have different audiences for the different swim lanes and different content in each of those. So we might have a tech debt architecture and quality swim lane. And then the hint there is that most of the things in there should probably match our theme. And then one, right, one hopes. And, and so the, I don't care what we call them, tickets, stories, epics, PRDs, you know, choose your favorite two to 10 letter acronym, um, should probably be the thing that's up front that describes goals and outcomes and why we should bother. Um, and then if you've done a good job of that, then the roadmap might only be the name of the item and a link to the rest of the docs. Yeah. I mean, something has to be the master here, right? Or the, the, the primary source of data. So uh, I'm used to roadmaps being highly um, variable, doing that we do a lot of edits on roadmaps. So I think I want as little as possible on there if the folks looking at it can then vector off to find the more data. Yeah, in fact, funny if you're kind of getting into what I 
you know, who's going to ask you next, so key elements of what's on there. So you've talked about kind of it being quite minimal, but kind of almost linking out to other other assets that have more detail. Yeah. Right. What, what might that structure look like, though, if we were uh, looking at that, even that yeah. minimal visual? For, for me, I'm thinking of two or three or four swim lanes or themes. Yep. Right. Uh, across the top, you've got vague timelines. You know, uh, there's nothing that's precise about this, but for instance, we might have current quarter, next quarter, and then some much bigger slices for the first half of next year or maybe forever, right? So the idea that there's precision here is wrong. Uh, and then in the near-term stuff, uh, I usually like to represent them in a way that shows off uh, uncertainty. So in the current quarter, all the boxes have heavy borders and dark type and you know shading, and it's really obvious that we're serious about it. But as you move out into the later time periods, for instance, I like to use dashed lines or cloud shapes because those clearly communicate that, honestly, we don't know, right? We have a name, we have a hope, we have a vague date, but um, you may not know this, but all software projects run 40% late, <laughs> in, even if you include the 40%. <laughs> oh, yeah, I right? There's the old, I forget which rule it is, but work expands, take time allowed. That's right, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so, but there's always, it, everything always moves to the right in terms of delivery. That's right. It always, uh, now, now, I did work on a project in, I'm thinking, 1995. I worked on a project at Sybase in the early days of the database wars that came in on time, on budget, on spec, and customers loved it. And I'm citing the year here because... I'm not sure I've had that since. Yeah. Right. The 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 likelihood that everything's going to line up, the wind at your back, the perfect specs, no technical issues, is pretty small. Um, even though everyone looking at your roadmap wants to take their, you know, their millimeter ruler out and count the number of days that are in that box. Yeah. It, it's just silly. Yeah, I mean, you might hit the date, but you'll usually have taken something out. And then, of course, is it still on time, semantically? You know, uh, I try not to get religious about this. Uh, the idea that by putting this on, on a chart, on a box, guarantees that it's going to happen, um, not so much, right? Yeah. Uh, we're always, uh, go ask any developer. We're always 90% done until the very end, and then we're 50% done. <laughs> Yeah, it's always just two hours to do that, to add that That's one right. feature. How hard could it be? Yeah. Right. I, I quote an old sales uh, director of mine, it's only ones and twos, which was ironically <laughs> said. It brings to mind one other sort of odd conundrum that we that I see a lot at the executive level, which is um, in sort of alternate minutes, um, the executives of the, co of the company have two completely contrary points of view about roadmaps. Right. So in, in the odd numbered minutes, they believe this is a hard and fast commitment where we've done all the science and all the sizing and it's going to arrive exactly when the box shows it's going to arrive. Right. And in the alternate minutes, they each have something they want and they look at the roadmap and decide that there must be room in there for one more thing because it's important. Right. Yeah. And so we, we flip between the is it a commitment or are we agile conversation? Because if I want one more thing on the roadmap, I want us to be agile because that means I can jam one more thing in with no new resources and nothing moves, 
right? Magically, but when when some customer wants it, I I claim it's a you know it's an ironclad commitment. And those Absolutely. those two ideas fundamentally can't exist in the same head, except for every executive I've ever worked with. <laughs> Indeed, I mean I'm I'm loving this visualization, so I I will make sure it's visible to people in in the uh, the final edits. But you because know, that kind of more certainty, that more solidness of things forward right. going and then going out to the right. The Bravega timelines, the swim lanes as well, kind of giving that thematic stuff. It's a, a really nice yeah. uh, visual. Good. And another way to think about that, that that's less visual is, uh, at least uh, again in the enterprise space, I'm, I usually want to be about 90% certain about the things in the current quarter. Yeah, something might move or slip or maybe even get done earlier, but pretty solid. Next quarter... 75%, right? The out quarters, two, three, four quarters. Well, when we're down to half, there's really very little certainty there. So, yeah. you know, as you move further out, the the world's chaos just uh, comes back in to join you. Well, I mean, we have things like wars and viruses and things like that. There. I think we're all learning, you know, because you know, uncertainty is a reality and the world's starting to get its head around that at the moment. Right. But but why can't you tell me what time in the morning on September 16th it will ship, right? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> cool. And I mean, so this is clearly, uh, this visual is, uh, I guess, in a PowerPoint uh, sort of format. Yes. Do you have any preferred tools in terms of visualizing, communicating your uh, a roadmap? Um, I don't. And, and there's a lot of really good tools out there. Uh, my sense, though, again, back to the earlier comment about the go-to-market side, in my experience, almost never uses those tools or accesses them. Um, I think as long as it syncs back to what my engineering team uses, because they're never going to use this either. So if it spits out Jira and whatever the next 16 versions are, then we can synchronize what engineering's looking at with what product's looking at. But when it's time to really present to the world, I'm used to dumping these out as you pick your format, but PDF or screenshot, even though I know that every member of my audience wants access to the live document where it says, says they do. Right. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it's out of date by the time we see it. Um, the yeah. other thing that that lets me do, by the way, whenever I'm dumping this out to a presentation, I always like to put the little uh, splash or violator that goes across it. Violator, by the way, is a, a diagonal piece of phrasing. And it might say, you know, today's date subject to change immediately, right? Um, internal only. Yeah. So you're putting it across it almost like a watermark instead exactly of the right. where it's easy to crop off. That's right. And and then if I'm going to give this presentation material to my sales team, um, I always give it to them in PDF form and not in PowerPoint form because otherwise they can just open up the PowerPoint and remove that warning. Yeah. Which, uh, you know, uh, the definition of a millisecond, by the way, is the time between when you give your sales team the PowerPoint and when they take off the warning and then mail it to all of your customers. Indeed. I mean, I have even heard stories of someone putting that violator in there, but using profanity because they were so annoyed how many times it had still been shown. There you go. Yeah. So now, now thinking about this, it, in terms of roadmaps, what about best practice? Are there any kind of key best practice elements that you could, that you you'd like to share? Ah, <sighs> best. That, 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 honestly, that's a hard phrase for me. 
um, there, there's so little uh, consistency across companies and products. I'm suspicious of the phrase best practice. Okay, maybe good practice. Good though. practice. We'll take good practice. Uh, good practice for me. Um, my product managers never lie to customers. Yep. Now, we may avoid questions and we may fail to come to the meeting and we may use flowery language. But for me, product managers have an obligation to not lie. And so if I'm showing anything to a real customer, right, it's either on the roadmap because we're working on it or we know we're going to, or it's not on the roadmap. I, I avoid the um, hypothetical potential out you know, six years, maybe we'll get to it kind of things. They always come back and come back and bite us. So there's one. Uh, and, and the other, I think, is it's a habit of engineering and product teams to have code names for stuff. Yeah. Whatever, you know, your favorite Marvel character, you know, there's always um, there's always an infrastructure project, which is codenamed Lego, because we can somehow convince ourselves it's going to be easy to attach to things. And it never is right. Uh, putting code names into roadmaps i think is a fundamental problem because they don't mean anything yeah and it invites everybody who's watching it to imagine what it might mean yeah funny enough you you went straight to my next question which what's the big what's a mistake you see commonly sure. on roadmaps in there right well yeah i mean it's interesting though just to pick up your point about you have to be working i'm just thinking you know casting my mind back right. to the the style you showed me and those getting out to the cloud styles yeah. where are we already working on those things? Is well, that what you're suggesting there? I think what I'm suggesting here is that we're pretty sure we're going to do those things. They're they're obviously marked as speculative, and we're thinking about how to do them. Yeah. We probably have some architects somewhere. You know, if it's machine learning, it's going to take years to sort out anyway. Right. Uh so so those are things that we better understand instead of uh, what's my distinction here? Sometimes the marketing team invents a thing that wants they want us to have in the product, yeah. right? And we have no idea what it even means, but that they're really insistent that we put a bubble on the roadmap that says um, fully user deployable, uh, right? Uh, and And if I don't know what it means, it better not be on the roadmap. If we don't have some way to answer the next couple of rounds of questions about what's inside of it we're just inviting trouble yeah yeah i mean because you know for example i can see ai slash ml success modeled in there and i guess what the, the on your example and i guess part of that is saying well we've got an idea of how we're going to use ai on machine learning it's not just ai enabled that's right that's right it's the marketing bs that's right and and i know it's a marketing only roadmap if it includes all of the following bitcoin right uh cloud-based, uh, artificial intelligence, and, um, oh, I don't know, something, blockchain. Augmented reality. Augmented, right. So, so when, when I see all those things, I'm pretty sure that nobody on the engineering side approved it. Yeah, so true, so true. So <clears throat> we've got some good practices. We've got some bad practice. Yep. What about anti-patterns? Anti-patterns. Um, hmm, any patterns? That's the so so one that uh, is a deep anti-pattern is we change the roadmap every week, or you choose the frequency. 
right? Yeah. Uh, if we're doing that, it's probably because we're not a product organization at all. That we are, maybe we're a professional services organization that has hopes of being a product organization, but every time a customer or a client comes in the door, we say yes to the thing they want us to build. And, and it's really just a schedule, sorry, schedule. Um, Right. So if it, if it's a project management tool to track dependencies across things, or it's a delivery map for what we promise our customers, first of all, I don't think product management should be involved. Second of all, I'm not sure you need product management at that company. So yeah. if, if what we really do is we, our very clever sales team finds, finds clients who need something built writes down the spec on the back of a post-it note and hands it to the engineering team, says, do this, I don't understand it, but I need it by Friday, right? Then product management's honestly not a thing. Yeah. And, and roadmaps become um, delivery schedules. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, they become a project plan or That's a right. release plan. Oh, and, and, and those are fine if you're in the project or release business. But... But in the software, in the SaaS business, in the, in the software product business, uh, hitting the date is not when you make money. You make money when people love your product and sign up for it and pay you. Yeah. And and so, you know, the idea that that at, you know, uh, eleven in the morning on a particular day we will have changed our business model because we shipped something, I think, is naive. Yeah, especially in the B2B world with sales cycles that are often measured in the years. That's right. That's right. So, um, you know, the idea that we can match any feature in the enterprise space directly to revenue is pretty suspect. So whose advice on roadmapping do you listen to? Ah, really good. Uh, there's lots of folks. Bruce McCarthy is usually the first one to leap to mind. You know, he and his co-authors have really good books on this, and he's an expert. Um, Christina Wodke, who put out the OKR books. Now, they're not nominally about roadmaps, but they really are. Because yeah. if we're doing OKRs or goals well, the roadmap follows our strategy. Um, yet I, I see a lot of folks who spend... Oh, they spend a full year arguing about whether they could, should adopt OKRs, and then they spend about four minutes picking the OKRs, and they're entirely wrong, and that's a disaster. And then they blame they blame the tools, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, other folks really smart about roadmaps. Um, again, not strictly on topic, but uh, Teresa Torres, who's really the leading light in discovery and validation, and her opportunity trees are really good feed into the roadmap problem. So yeah. if you're doing good discovery, if you really thought hard about problems and solutions and involve your team in that, then the roadmap really becomes a, you know, an outcome, an artifact of clear thinking. Yeah. Well, Bruce, funnily enough, is lined up to be on the show in the not too distant future. And uh, both those other two ladies are definitely on my target list. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. So, and there's a lot of really good folks thinking about this, but, um, you know, for me, roadmapping is part of a process. It's not an end goal in itself, um, and it doesn't deliver value by itself. So, you know, we, we have to put it in the context of building and shipping and collecting money for products. Yeah, so so true. And so, I mean, you've mentioned some, 
people we mm -hmm. listen to, any particular resources you go to, any sources of insight beyond, say, the, those people's blogs or books? Uh, not so much. And and I have to admit, you know, I work mostly at the CTO or VP product or CPO level. So I haven't built my own roadmap in, well, probably a decade. And yeah. and the folks I coach, the folks I work with directly are mostly delegating the roadmapping problem. So uh, we spend a lot more of our time, our coaching time, trying to figure out how to sell the roadmap to the rest of the internal stakeholders, much more than what's on the roadmap itself. And so that's, uh, you know, that's a lot more time spent with Myers-Briggs than it is with AHA or ProdPlan or Pendo or whatever your, your favorite tool is here, right? Um, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, the, I, I, one of my sort of philosophies is that we, as product people, we spend we spend too much time focusing on the how we do the or the what we do as the job, you know, yes. the technical skills, then not enough on the how we do it in terms of your know, understanding the stakeholder management, the influencing skills that really get stuff done. That's right. And 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 when I drop into a company as this smoke jumper interim head of product, you know, one of the very first things I do is I have to size up my current product team. You know, and, and, and I get a little time with each of them and they think it's just a meet and greet and the smart ones know it's a job interview. Um, but, you know, one of the very first questions I ask is how many customers or users or partners did you talk to outside the company in the last two weeks that was not a sales call? Right. And, the, you know, the best folks give me a number greater than zero. Yeah, uh, the, the the okay ones may tell me none, but they have a reason why the organization's getting in their way and they're embarrassed about it. Um, the, the the folks in product jobs who aren't talking to directly to real end users on a regular basis and aren't embarrassed about it, they actually get an instant promotion because I'm gonna I'm gonna promote them to some other job in the company that doesn't work for product because if you're not talking to customers directly you're not a product manager right um, so true. right and and that's important because for me you know the best product folks are each spending about half their time facing their engineering and design and maker team and half their time facing customers in the market each of them not dividing it into two jobs and so uh, you know, I'm I'm bringing back customers and knowledge and you know insights to my team, and we're working the roadmap together, and then I have to trot that back out and convince the rest of the company that we actually have customer data that suggests these are the right roadmap items, right? So so for me, I, I've done much less of the tooling and creation over the last decade or two. Uh, and I depend on people who are smarter than me who do that job to to bring something up that 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 makes sense. Cool, makes sense. So coming towards the end, uh -huh. Rich, um, been a really good conversation. I'm going to ask you the hardball question uh -oh. now. Uh -oh. If you had to distill your philosophy on road mapping down to one or two sentences, what is it? Okay. Uh... Roadmaps are communication tools. They're not strategies. And, and we have to have as many versions of those or, or variations on those as the different audiences who need to absorb them. And I think it falls to us to have presentations and materials and content that work with our audiences 
instead of blaming our different audiences for not being alike or understanding. Love it. Love it. So I'm going to do my Steve Blank, I think it is now, and ask you, what should I have asked you that I didn't ask you about road mapping? I think you should have asked why it's so hard and why there isn't a, a, a universal standard for it. So what's your thoughts on that question then, Rich? Um, I think it's a real reflection of larger company ethos and processes and culture and how different groups get things done. Uh, and so I, I don't think there's a, you know, if we go back to Plato, whatever, there's no, there's no canonical perfect roadmap for all settings, for all companies, for all situations. Uh, th that was why I, I sort of pulled back on best practices. I think you have to find something that works and that doesn't consume lots and lots of time and gets the job done. And the job to be done here is to keep other folks in the company and some out of the company vaguely aware of what's happening next. Yeah. And funny enough, saying what you said there, I've, there was a tweet from John Cutler about three months ago that said, we have to understand the jobs to be done of a roadmap. And actually there, those different audiences have a different jobs to be done for it. That's right. And, and just to say it, I think John Cutler is brilliantly, wildly brilliant, terrifically smart. He's got a, access to all kinds of data. I follow him all the time. I think he's terrific. Yeah. Cool. So I think we'll, you know, we'll kind of conclude there, Rich. Okay, um, really, really awesome. Um, I guess the one, one last thing I'd like to just give you an opportunity to do is just kind of, if you'd like to pitch out there the, what you do to people in case there's anyone listening who'd like to get in touch. Sure. So uh, first thing I'd say is uh, I've been blogging in the product space for 21 years. Hint, that's where when blogs arrived. Uh, so, you know, I've been doing a monthly column now. You can do the math for how many of those are. But please, oh, please take everything off my website that's useful. It's all there. It's all free. You know, shovel through it. So so that's my, you know, that's my pay it forward piece. And then the work I do, I primarily what I do is I coach heads of product. So if you're a CPO, VP, director, and you have a product management team working under you, and your company wants to sponsor this, then you're a candidate for me to be a coach for. Um, I'm not young enough or energetic enough anymore to actually be a head of product. So second choice is to coach. Sure. And if I remember rightly, you're focused on the enterprise B2B software space. Certainly software. I'm more enterprise B2B. I have a couple of folks I coach on the on the consumer side, but I, I come out of the big, expensive software side of the world. Sure. Cool. Thanks, Rich. And uh, we'll put a link down to your uh, blogging stuff below here. Funnily enough, I was rereading one of your blog posts about giving up on the MVP as a phrase uh, only the other day. I'm so sorry. <laughs> to be honest, I've given up on it myself as well. I That's tend right. to talk about a rat, risky assumption test, but that doesn't cover every scenario, as your post points so, out. And, and just worth jumping on that for a moment, because there's a pattern here I see, which is that on the product and engineering side, we have some key phrase or acronym or word that we think we know exactly what it means. And we use it in some careful, thoughtful way. And we all agree. 
As soon as we give the go-to-market side of the house, sales and marketing, access to that phrase or acronym, they will turn it into the thing they want and it won't be useful anymore. So uh, agile comes to mind, right? Nobody on the go-to-market side cares about that word or what it means. They just think it's a way to beat us and make us work faster, right? MVP, oh, it's got a P, it's a product, so we can sell it. When can I get revenue? Um, I think of that as, as selling philosophy, right? If we're using words or phrases or acronyms that aren't in plain language, then we should expect everybody else to have a different or wrong, uh, definition for it. And we're wasting our time. So yeah, Yeah. everybody I coach to drop the MVP acronym because no two people in your company agree on what it means. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. In fact, I spend too much time teaching people what it's supposed to mean, and this it still doesn't change, so I've given up. That's right. I, I just move on. I, I say things like, oh, this is a non-revenue paper prototype. Yeah. Okay. Uh, can we sell it for money? No, because the first two words are non-revenue. Yeah. So, so true. Got it. So let's uh, let's thank you for your time today, Rich. Uh, Really interesting conversation. Just a reminder to everyone out there to like, subscribe, hit that bell icon, and equally, you know, join us in the comments down below or heck, you reach out if you'd like to take part and you'd like to sit where Rich is and uh, give your thoughts on road mapping. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again, Rich. Brilliant. And see you all again soon.